the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you. Hey, at nine minutes past 10 o'clock, thanks for being with us. If you were with us throughout hour number one, I appreciate that. If you're going to stay with us throughout hour number two, that is even better. Much appreciated. Make sure you uh, tune in at noon today as well. Dennis Prager makes his return from his trip to Israel, where he did some amazing broadcasts. It was an honor to sit in for him yesterday, so he is back at noon today. Uh, it is the, a Thursday, the 12th morning of the 12th month of the year of our Lord, 2019, and I told you we were loaded up, and we are. We can continue now with our cavalcade of great guests. It is Dr. Everett Piper, who is our regular Thursday guest. Dr. Piper is the former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University. He is a best-selling author. He is a public speaker and a columnist for the Washington Times as well. Dr. Piper, good to have you back on the program. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. I forgot to say movie star, uh, and I probably should include that now. Of course, you are on the silver screen. Well, thank you for having me on, Brian. It's always a, pr- a pleasure. You know, what we have today is thought control rather than the premise of thoughtful debate. It's ideological fascism. You will think like us. You will look like us. You will talk like us. And if you don't, we will squash you. We will crush you. We will silence you. And when you have people like Adam Carolla and Van Jones and Bill Maher and Dennis Prager and Dave Rubin and then conservative Christians such as me, Everett Piper, agreeing that what we're creating today on our campuses is a monster rather than academic freedom and intellectual liberty. Everybody should watch this movie. That's where I want to start, Dr. Piper. Great promotion of No Safe Spaces you did on Fox News, on Fox and Friends. And and, and let's talk about it. Now that it's on a screen near me, it is uh, playing at the Regal uh, Cinema at uh, Cobblestone up in Sheffield uh, out in Lorraine County for those who are looking. Uh, I plan to maybe even 
as early as tonight, uh, I'm getting a couple of friends to, together to go and watch No Safe Spaces. I've seen clips. I've seen trailers, Dr. Piper. And I want you to expand upon what you told Brian Kilmeade. Um, when you have people on the far left like Van Jones and people on the far right like Dennis Prager and people on the, you know, uh, you know, Hollywood, uh, uh, types who are somewhat more moderate, but I still think conservative minded like Adam Carolla. When you have all of these different people of different ideologies, uh, agreeing with the way, you know, where our, our college campuses and our educational institutions have turned, that should be very telling to all Americans. It also should be very encouraging to everyone listening to your show today, because I assume that most people that tune in to listen to Bob Franz actually believe in the power of truth, that at the end of the day, it matters what's true and what's false, and that conserving the time-tested truths, those self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator, actually works to provide for a free people, a free country, and a free nation. I assume everybody listening this morning cares about those things and is anxious about losing those freedoms. This movie and the fact that Dan Jones, Bill Maher, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Adam Carolla, Dennis Prager, Dave Rubin, and I, Everett Piper, agree on this issue, this should encourage everybody, because mm, all of those people I just mentioned share a different religious worldview. As you know, Dennis Prager is a conservative, but he is not a Christian. He is a conservative Jew. Mm -hmm. Adam Carolla is an unapologetic atheist. Van Jones was on Obama's administration as the Greens are. He's very left of center politically. Dave Rubin uh, disagrees with everything I say, probably, when it comes to sexual morality and choice in terms of your sexual lifestyle. But, Bob, we all agree on this one thing that we're losing our freedom to communicate in a classically liberal way within the academy and within culture. In other words, this monster we've created, this ideological fascist that runs around squashing everybody just because they say something we don't like, is terrible. It's a terrible outcome of terrible ideas, and we need to agree that we have a problem. You can't solve the problem until you agree that there is one proper... Um, the proper remedy of any disease is to diagnose it accurately in the first place. And here we have a group of people of disparate views that are diagnosing the problem, the disease, accurately. That is a, such an important point. Um, what, what I'm curious to know, now I know the movie is performing very well on a per-screen average. And in fact, uh, when, when you finish our conversation coming up after the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk to the director of the movie, uh, actually, and we're going to talk uh, more about you know how it is being uh, received. So it's doing great on a per-screen average, but it doesn't have the budget to go on 2,500 screens like a summer blockbuster will. Will word of mouth be enough, uh, Dr. Piper, to to really reach all of these people that, as you say, should be encouraged by it if they see that so many different people of different political stripes and ideologies uh, can come to uh, to a common ground on. Well, I'm not a I'm not the professional that knows how to work that angle. Um, they don't have the marketing money that Hollywood has, so they're mm -hmm. doing it in a different way. I guess in a day of talk radio and Internet, and Twitter, and Facebook, and Instagram, and Vimeo, and YouTube, uh, a lot can be accomplished. And I think you're doing your job to promote this, and everybody needs to get out and see this movie. It's very well yeah. produced. It's very well produced, professionally done. And again, why do you want to take an hour, an hour and a half of your time to watch this thing? It's because 
you see people that disagree. Adam Carolla had me on his show for a half hour talking about this issue. Dave Rubin had me on his show for an hour talking about this issue. Bill Maher and I agree on this issue. Why in the world? And you could, you could take my name out and put Bob Franz in. They agree with you. They agree that there's a problem. That is a wonderful place for us to be as a community of people that care about human freedom and care about liberty. I've said a thousand times on your show and elsewhere that if you get people to agree that human freedom is important, then you can end up winning this debate rather than losing this debate. Because the only thing that's actually going to give us freedom at the end of the day is the acknowledgement that some things are true and some things are false, some things are good and some things are evil. And the only way to resolve those differences is to have a measuring rod outside of those things being measured, or you can do no measuring, C.S. Lewis, and you have to agree that the rock-bottom priority of a free country and a free society is self-evident truths, natural law, those things that we know intuitively, not postmodern constructivism. That's where we are. This movie proves it, and people need to watch it and use it as a context for debate and culture. The, the, I'll wrap it with this, this part of our conversation, and I feel bad, by the way, because we're going to talk 10 minutes when you said you got an hour from, uh, from Ruben and a, and a half an hour from Corolla. We should probably spend another uh, full half hour on just this. But going back to what you said at the beginning, you assume, and I think you assume correctly, that listeners to this program or of this program are in search of truth. That's why they come here. That's why they listen to me and Dennis Prager and so many others, because we are truly trying to present um, uh, the, you know, the truth of what is going on in this country and in our society. But it's not those people that we need to reach with this movie. That's the funny part about it. We, we will watch it, and the listeners of this program will become viewers of this movie and nod their heads accordingly and probably shake their heads a little bit in shock at how bad things really are. But the people who need to view it, Dr. Piper other kids on these campuses and how do we get this thing shown on a big screen in some auditorium in in every major university and college those are the kids who need to see what is being done to them and of course that's never going to happen well let's let's again i'm going to go positive as we wrap this all right um, corolla has a different listening audience than you do right. dave rubin has a different listening audience than you do it's it's a very libertarian if you will and it's a very um it's a broader cross-section of listeners than probably conservative talk radio. I think has. that's fair to say, that, definitely. Yeah. That, that's wonderful. And they have millions of followers, so we're reaching out into that community of people that say, huh, that Piper guy just said something that's interesting. He quoted G.K. Chesterton and C.S. Lewis. I'm going to look into that. And I've actually had that happen after I left Corolla's. In fact, one guy tweeted after I left Corolla's show, first time G.K. Chesterton's ever been quoted on the Adam Corolla show. <laughs> so this is good news. When Dave Rubin tweets out after I leave his show, if more guys said what this guy just said, we'd be a freer, braver, and wiser nation, unquote. Mm -hmm. That tells you that we're making an impact. We should be encouraged. Be encouraged. The truth always wins. I love that. That's a great way to put a positive or to look at that through a positive lens. I like it. Dr. Piper, we'll take this as our time out. I want to come back and talk about your latest column about why it is so extraordinarily important to support Donald Trump for reelection. Forget about all of the other issues. If you believe in this one issue, you must support Donald Trump. You wrote uh, very eloquently about that, and we'll talk about it next on AM 1420, The Answer. It's the Bob France Authority. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. She stood there bright as the sun on that California. 
All right, onward at 21 minutes past the top of the hour. Dr. Everett Piper continues with us now. Dr. Piper writes uh, for the Washington Times, his latest column from uh, this past Friday. In this election season, one thing becomes more evident every day. If you value human life, you have no choice but to vote for Donald Trump. And as you correctly surmise, Dr. Piper, in the next line, you know that your critics are going to say, how dare you? How dare you suggest that any one man or any one party stands for human life and the dignity of the human being? And your response to that is? Dr. Well, Piper? you just proved you, you, those who are malcontents, who are shouting that you conservatives are myopic and you need to move beyond your fixation on this single issue, they are also the first ones to say, well, abortion is often a difficult decision, and the fewer the better, right? But what about the millions of people who suffer at the hands of climate change and global warming and cultural appropriation and economic inequality and social injustice? Okay, great. You just admitted that you think those things are bad. Now, why are they bad? The only way you can claim that cultural appropriation and social injustice and climate change and global warming are bad things is to assume that the human being has dignity and value. Because if the human being has no value, then none of that matters. So thank you for agreeing that the human being is the summum bonum, the highest good, the thing that has the greater value in this debate. Therefore, if you agree that human life is more valuable than a tree, a cow, a dog, or a cat, then we have to admit you now must vote for Donald Trump because he's the only one that represents the only party that actually codifies human life as having unequivocal value. It cannot be subjected to political power or those that are in office. You cannot take the life of a human being away just because of it being too young or too inconvenient for you. There's no other party, no other person, who's representing that particular thing. You must vote for Donald Trump. Dr. Piper, provide our listeners with some ammunition here um, to fight back when the response that they get to what you just said is, what about the death penalty? If you support the death penalty, uh, then uh, you cannot possibly be opposed to abortion because you are saying that that human life has no value. How can you support a president who locks kids in cages? And we can, of course, go back to the fact that so did the other party. Those cages were built by Barack Obama, etc. But they are not treating that human life as if it has value. They're caging them like animals. These are things that you know that you're going to hear, our listeners are going to hear when they say you have to vote for President Trump because of the abortion issue well first of all i would say thank you for agreeing with me you just acknowledged that human life is important because you're against the death penalty so i have a question for you if i give in and say let's get rid of the death penalty will you agree with me that we should also get rid of all abortion are you willing to concede that point if i concede yours be quiet and listen now a difference a difference between the two views, I might add, is the death penalty is a penalty that's imposed upon somebody because of their volitional choice, their guilt for committing a crime. Okay, There is a legal consequence for the volitional choice of murder. That is totally different than executing innocent 
children who've made no choice whatsoever that that would uh, uh, that would bring the consequence of guilt upon them. They're, they're 30 seconds before birth. There's 30 seconds after birth. And the left, the Democrats, are arguing that because they're inconvenient, we can take their lives. This is absurd. So to equate the death penalty with abortion is a non sequitur, in my view. It's a straw man. But I'll, I'll, just for the sake of argument, I'll concede. Let's get rid of the death penalty. Are you willing to likewise get rid of abortion? That is a great response. Um, one follow-up then would be, again, because I like to anticipate the arguments before they come so that we know how to handle them, the rape issue as it pertains to abortion. Some will say that, look, uh, the baby didn't make the choice to be conceived. You're right. But in the case of rape, the woman didn't make the choice to become impregnated either. This isn't a, you know, a case where somebody is being, uh, let's just say morally, uh, uh, lax, uh, and, and was sleeping around, uh, you know, uh, a little bit, uh, uh, irresponsibly. And so she made the choice to put herself in a position to be this way. Now she has to have this baby who did not make a choice to be conceived. But in a rape case, nobody made the choice. And what do you tell people who support abortion in those cases? Well, again, now some of the people listen to me right now because some of the people on your show are going to feel uncomfortable with my first response. I think strategic and incremental gain is an important lesson for the conservatives to to learn. Incremental gain, strategic step-by-step progress is important. The left knows this very well. They, They take incremental steps toward their ultimate goal, and they beat us. We sometimes ignore that lesson. So... For the sake of argument, less than 4% of uh, pregnancies are the result of rape or incest. If I concede and say, okay, I'll give you that one, will you agree that the 96 97% of all pregnancies, therefore, should be protected against laws against any and all abortions? Again, the left doesn't want to go there. They will not grant that 96 97% if I even concede the 4% or less. So I don't want to get distracted by this minority argument that there are cases of abortion and, excuse me, rape and incest that should be considered. Fine. If I granted you that, would you concede the other 96, 97 percent? Let's talk about that before I concede the other. Now, ideologically, I believe that you never penalize anyone, any human being, in terms of the method of conception that led to their existence. They should not be penalized, and they should not be executed because of the method that led to their very existence. That needs to be argued ontologically and epistemologically and theologically and politically as well. Very well done. Dr. Piper, in the two minutes we have left, I want to pivot, and this is an abrupt one, but Greta Thunberg. The uh, Swedish 16-year-old with Asperger's who lectured the United Nations on the evils of technology and advancement. Um, She has been named the Time Person of the Year. It's one thing that we have to tolerate indoctrinated youth who don't know what they're talking about now. We don't just tolerate them. We have to celebrate them. Your response? Yeah, she says this as she stands for a photograph on the cover of Time in her running shoes that are made out of nylon and other petroleum products. I mean, the inconsistency. (laughs) This is absurd. And, oh, she sailed from the United States back to Europe because she didn't want to get on a uh, petroleum-powered airplane or even a ship. Well, what was that sailboat made out of? Fiberglass and other carbon fibers. In other words, petroleum products. What were the sails on that sailboat, that yacht made out of? Nylon. 
not cotton. Come on. These people have no integrity, no consistency. And by the way, she's a child. She's a pro, 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 excuse me, precocious 16-year-old child. And time has made her the idol of our age. I mean, we've, we've created a daycare, and now we've given control of it to the children. We don't even <laughs> expect adults to lead. It's absurd. That is very well said. By the way, I would probably substitute uh, a, pe- a petulant for precocious, but I guess I can accept either one of those. And you're right. Now we're supposed to uh, now we're supposed to idolize her as the person of the year, despite all of the ina- and here's the thing, Doctor Piper. I, I I have a hard time blaming her as much as those who indoctrinated her, those who are using her as a political tool and a pawn. Because you know, if we condemn or criticize her, as you and I are, well, we're the evil, uh, you know, uh, conservative males who uh, who are picking on and bullying a 16 year old girl with special needs uh, well uh, we don't we should not be intimidated by that nonsense pure and simple we still need to speak dr everett piper is featured in no safe spaces uh and dr piper is featured on this program every thursday it's always a pleasure doctor thank you so much Blessings, Bob. Take care. All right. Speaking of no safe spaces, the director of that movie, Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla's movie, which is uh, one of the best performing documentaries, uh, docudramas, if you will, uh, in uh, in in uh, the movies right now, is going to be joining us. Justin Folk, the director of No Safe Spaces, after the news on AM fourteen twenty, the answer. Ten thirty-six. Onward we roll. Great conversation with Dr. Everett Piper, as we have each and every week. Honestly, it's uh, one of the best things that I think I've done with his show. Is uh, this year, I invited Dr. Piper to be a regular uh, guest, uh, benchmark guest on this program. He always brings something extraordinarily insightful to consider, and he—that's probably why Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla and the team behind No Safe Spaces uh, included him in their uh, in their movie, the documentary No Safe Spaces. He's finally here in Northeast Ohio. I kid you not. In fact, I might be able to pull out my phone just to kind of prove uh, what I'm saying here. I'm not saying this because our next guest is the the uh, director of the movie, but I sent this message to two of my friends last night. Are we going to no safe spaces this week? And the response was, let me know when. And I said, let's go tomorrow night. This morning, I got a response from one of them and said, I'm good. I'm waiting for the other. I may be at the theater tonight at Cobblestone Square in uh, Sheffield. I cannot wait to see this movie, as so many others have. It is now number 11 in the country in per screen average, which is amazing. It's the top documentary in theaters at the box office now. And again, it's just now hitting different parts of the country, including Northeast Ohio. And joining us now is the director of Dennis Prager's and uh, Adam Carolla's uh, amazing docudrama, um, No Safe Spaces, Justin Folk joining us here on AM 1420, The Answer. Justin, thank you for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well, and thank you so much for having me, and, and thank you for going to the theater tonight to watch the film. Uh, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about it. I am so looking forward to it ever since I saw the first trailer, and I've seen various clips since then. I've had interviews with Dr. Piper, and he has talked about his role in this and the things that, that yeah. he has done. Um, and before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of the movie, I, I just want to ask you, how did you become involved, Justin? Did, did uh, they seek out a Hollywood director? Uh, are you? I, I don't know your background. I apologize for that, but did Dennis and Adam <laughs> say, hey, we got to go find somebody to make this thing or did you have a role in actually you know the genesis of this uh short version yes i do come from hollywood my background is working on films uh in hollywood i worked on a bunch of movies uh including the matrix sequels and uh the incredible hulk and a whole bunch of different movies i used to be in visual effects and i used to do all these other big movies and then 
eventually I left that and formed a production company. And um, one of my co-producers who got this project off the ground approached me and said, you know, Dennis Prager wants to make a movie, uh, and he wants to make it about young people and what young people think. And, and, and the reason for that is uh, Dennis is very, very... Um, you know, worried about the future of America because of what young people think about a lot of different issues. And so we got started, and uh, as we got started, uh, all this stuff started to happen. When on campuses, not just on campuses, but in, in, in society as a whole of um, li- people limiting others ba- uh, of their free speech based on their beliefs. And so we really just followed the story, and it kind of blew up right as we were making it. And um, gosh, we didn't realize how bad this problem was until we were uh, knee deep in making this film. That is such a, a, an amazing story. So you come right from the uh, you know the core of Hollywood, making all of the big action films, and now you involve yourself in this uh, obviously very small budget documentary about, as you say, about young people and what they think. Um, what was your initial response to the, the the premise here, or or how much did you of a role did you play in developing the premise of Van Jones? Uh, Tim Allen, yeah. uh, Cornell West. I mean, you talk about an eclectic group. Ben Shapiro yeah. and Jordan Peterson, along with, you know, the famous liberal law professor Alan Dershowitz. I mean, you can't, you can't, there's not one spot on the spectrum of political ideology that isn't touched on this, and everybody's coming together. That's exactly right, and that was a very deliberate choice. We really wanted to make a film that had a broad spectrum of opinion because we felt like the issues in this film were way too important, way too foundational for this film to be disregarded as a one-side-leaning or a right-wing piece of propaganda. We, we knew what it would be called. Of yeah. course, you know, we have Dennis Prager as the star of our film, and we knew it would be attacked for those reasons, so we really, we really needed to balance it out with people like Van Jones and Cornell West and Alan Dershowitz. These are people not on the right. Um, again, we didn't want to make a partisan film. We wanted to make a film that was balanced, that really spoke to the important foundational constitutional issues uh, of our country, what makes our country special, and how that all has come under attack. And so that's why we put those people in the film. So very important to do. We're talking with Justin Folk. He is the director of No Safe Spaces, which, again, is just expanding to new markets throughout the country now. It is performing extraordinarily well, especially as a very low-budget uh, documentary. Um, tell me about the reception it is getting, because you're, you're right when you say that the initial perspective is going to be, uh, well, it's just right-wing propaganda. As a matter of fact, I've had people tell me, why are you going to watch that movie when you can stay home and watch Fox News? They're, they're just calling it an hour, <laughs> an hour and a half of Fox News is, is what it's going to be, yeah. right-wing propaganda. Um, but, yeah. but when people actually see it, Justin, the people that you've talked to have seen it, what are, what are they coming back with? Yeah, well, I will say that those people are just... They're just not right. They don't know what this film is when they say things like that. Um, this is not a Fox News, uh, you know, extended piece of propaganda. This is a uh, a very entertaining film on, uh, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, which aggregates reviews from mm-hmm. critics and from audience members. We currently have a 98% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is which is fantastic. And it really just says the people that go see this film, they love the film. And the critic review is hovering around 50, which is about what we'd expect because a lot of critics tend to be left-leaning and a lot of them just can't bring themselves to give a high score to, to a film that has, you know, that stars Dennis Prager, you know, and has Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro, and these people. So we expected that. But the thing that we're most proud of is the 98% uh, uh, positive uh, score that we're getting from audience members who have actually seen the film and, and weigh in. And, and that's important to us so, because we... We tried to make a, a film that was very entertaining. We realized that, you know, for people to get up off the couch and 
spend 15 bucks going out to watch a movie. They're going to want a, they're, they're going to want cinema. They're going to want something entertaining and something that will you know, bring a little bit more than just watching uh, Fox News or even just a documentary that you would watch on Netflix or anywhere else. So that's what we put in. You know, there's animation in this film. There's reenactments. There's, there's a lot of very uh, high-level cinema, which is stuff that we're able to do because, you know, using the network of people I know and worked with in Hollywood, uh, we were able to kind of bring that high-level production value to this thing. And so, you know, we, we, we sought to make a very entertaining movie, and I think the audience score uh, shows that. You know, as I said, Justin, I'm not seeing it until tonight, but I have been told, actually I read, that there are recreations of Dennis Prager as the, as a youngster. Uh, where'd you find an actor to be young Dennis Prager? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I guess that's the magic of Hollywood. You gotta <laughs> spread, you gotta, you gotta spread a wide net and eventually you, you find somebody that fits the bill. And, uh, we were very fortunate to find an actor who just had a very strong resemblance to Dennis. Uh, he was even, you know, Dennis was like six foot four. And the actor was about six foot three, so we missed by about an inch. But uh, this <laughs> that's guy, pretty good, though. Yeah, he, yeah, he looked just like a young Dennis. It was it was uh, uncanny. We, uh, these old photos that we had of Dennis, and this guy just really looked like Dennis. And he was a great actor. And even what's even more, which is interesting, is his own mother was a huge Dennis Prager's fan, a Dennis Prager fan. And um, it was interesting because this guy's a, you know an actor. He's a working actor. He's trying to get jobs, and you know he's he's a. Uh, kind of living that poor life of trying to get started as an actor. And uh, he made his mother so, so proud when he got casted in this role because, you know, to play a young Dennis Prager, it just meant the world to her. So it was just fun having him. We, had a, we also have a young Adam Carolla in the movie, which looks um, just a lot like Adam did when he was a kid. And those, those, that stuff was just a lot of fun, and it really. What, what I, but Justin, if, what I want to know is, yeah. do those guys, as younger people, as kids, Dennis and Adam, um, have the same mannerisms? Like Dennis Prager's delivery is so unique, and it is so um, uh, paced in a certain way. I mean, I, I host his show, and I always I hosted it yesterday, and and I try very very hard not to try to mimic Dennis Prager, but you do want to give his audience what he likes. So, d- did they speak the same way? And Adam, of course, has that kind of nasally, higher-typed uh, voice delivery at times. Um, did the younger Prager and Corolla, the actors playing them, did they kind of have the same type of mannerisms, or did they have to kind of go from scratch on that? Well, I won't give it away because you'll have to see the film uh, tonight. <laughs> but uh, um, we, we actually relied on using the voices of Adam and Dennis. You'll, have, you'll see what we did. We kind of did a, a technique that's popular on shows like uh, there's a show called Drunk History, where you have okay. one person telling the story and the other person sort of, you know, almost like mouthing it. And, and I think that added some humor and some, <laughs> uh, you know, personality to this thing. But we didn't really need them to speak like those guys. We needed to, them to look and, and play the role in, in, in that time. That is kind of a period piece because these things took place, you know, many years ago. So we had to get all that right. But we didn't really have to uh, worry about how they sounded. Because uh, you're right, those guys have a very, very unique sound, and it would be very difficult to try to replicate that. How did you decide, Justin, where, again, if you just turned us on, Justin Folk is the director of No Safe Spaces. How did you decide which um, speakers and public figures to include in this? For example, I mentioned Ben Shapiro and Jordan Peterson, uh, my friend Dr. Everett Piper that I spoke with uh, just a half an hour ago. Uh, how did you pick those people? Because there are, I mean, literally hundreds you could choose from, uh, both the conservative and the liberal side or the religious faithful and the atheistic side. How, do you, how did you pick those that uh, made it into the, into the script? We tried to find people that 
uh, were sort of the best on this topic, and no matter where they were on the political spectrum. And so, for example, we uh, got Van Jones in the movie. I, I had seen a video of Van Jones speaking on the subject of freedom of free speech, and I was shocked at what he had to say because I'm 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 not a liberal, but he, he had so many great things to say about free speech. And of course, free speech is uh, liberals have always used to stand for free speech, and mm-hmm. and so um, you know it's not unordinary for him to say these things, but but it, he just was so well spoken on the subject, and so that's why we went uh, and, and contacted Van Jones. Uh, same thing for a lot of these other people that have sort of lived this experience of 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 you know the suppression of free speech. You, know, you look at Ben Shapiro and the way he's been protested. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look at Jordan Peterson and and his fight with uh, the government of Canada and all these people. So we really just tried to find the people that have been um, you know the best spoken people on this on this topic and um and try to include them in the film and uh fortunately you know they were willing to talk to us most of them there's a couple people that turned us down uh that i wish we could have had but uh, other than that we had a pretty good batting average justin last thing before we let you jet and i really appreciate you coming on i hope people will join me at the theater tonight or this week or this weekend or whenever to see uh, no safe spaces again the one theater i'm aware of that i know and maybe there's more is uh is uh, cobblestone square it's a regal cinema uh, in Sheffield, and uh, it's re- easy access from anywhere around uh, east and west of uh, of uh, Lorraine County because it's right off of I ninety at uh, two fifty four Detroit Road. It's very easy access. Um, I-, I wanted to ask you about the reality of of the the mythology, the reality or the mythology, maybe is a better way to say that about Hollywood because you, of course, come from that background uh-huh. as you explained with the Matrix and the Hulk and so on and so forth. Uh, and you just said you're not a liberal. Are you conservative? And how dangerous is it to be conservative in Hollywood? We've heard the stories of many, many people. I don't know if it's as widespread or, or you know, whenever we watch the awards shows, uh, it sure seems that everybody in Hollywood is applauding when the liberals take shots at conservatives uh, from their in their acceptance speeches, especially uh, when they take shots at Donald Trump. So is, is Hollywood as bad as it is perceived? Well, I am a conservative, as you mentioned, and I did work on all these productions. And as a conservative, especially as somebody that is just trying to get your career started and, and trying to make your way and navigate uh, from job to job, you do have to keep your head down. Absolutely. It's a very real thing, and, and, and people tend to poke fun of it, but it's a very real thing. And I have stories of friends uh, that have had things that have experienced things that have uh, been very tough to get through. Uh, writers that have been turned down for jobs, um, people that have had their cars keyed by coworkers. You know, I mean, wow. it's a very real thing. And so, as a conservative in Hollywood, if you're not a big, if you're not a big shot, you know, some of these guys like uh, John Boyd and Gary Sinise and Kelsey Grammer, they could be outspoken because they've made their career. You know, you can't really take anything away from those guys, and so they can be fearless in what they say. But if you're just a run-of-the-mill writer or an editor or uh, a lawyer or any other job in the business, you really have to keep your head down and really maintain a low profile. I had to do that. I experienced that. And, um, I, you know, you, you, you tend to seek out people that are like you, and it's not just being a conservative. It's just it's having any thought that differs from sort of the dogmatic left. Those are the people. So you don't even have to be a conservative uh, to uh, for you to have to keep your mouth shut you really just have to just if you have any dissenting opinion at all you, you you better be quiet and it's a very real thing you will get passed over for the next job if you're too outspoken
Now, what about you, Justin? You know, you here you are doing a press tour, and you're admitting to people like me, and I don't know if you've been asked this before in other places or not, but yeah. you're, you're now out there as the director of Dennis Prager's movie, and you're admitting sure. you're a conservative. Are you concerned? Are you going to face uh, backlash and, uh, you know, have jobs pulled from you? Well, I, I certainly am now unqualified for certain jobs, for sure. Um, but I, I sort of circumvented this whole thing by creating work for myself. Once I left those big productions, I formed my own production company where I wanted to make films and content, you know, in the war of ideas. And so uh, this film is a extension of that journey. So I basically created my own little uh, uh, sphere to work in where I could kind of work without repercussion. And uh, but not everybody has that ability to do that. You know, they they really rely on other people to hire them. And so in forming my own production company, it's allowed me to do this work. But certainly, um, you know. Certain companies are not going to be looking to hire me for their next, um, you know, TV show to direct or, or movie to direct, um, just based on uh, on this project alone. But you know, other opportunities may present themselves too. So I'm not I'm not counting it out, and um, I'm not worried because I'm, I just sort of made my own path here. If I were to ask you that, you can feel free not to answer as we wrap this up, Justin. But I'm just going to ask it, and and if you. I feel like I'm asking you to out somebody, uh, to bring them out of the conservative closet. But you mentioned a few names. You mentioned Gary Sinise and John Voight and some others who are very outspoken. There are some that are, cons- that are, that are kind of perceived to be conservative, but as you say, keep their head down about it. They don't say much about it. People like Bruce Willis, Clint Eastwood, and, and I don't know if you know some of those massive heavyweights, but, uh, are there, are there more conservatives who do, who are big name stars who do indeed keep it quiet because they know it's going to impact their career? Oh, certainly. And they just don't want to be loudmouth either. You know, I mean, I, I think the secret is out on some of these people, but they still just kind of keep it to themselves. And guys like Adam Sandler, guys like Vince yeah. Vaughn, um, you know, some of these guys, you may have heard rumors. And a lot of those rumors, if, if there's a rumor, it's probably true. Because if you're a lefty and there's a rumor going around town that you're a conservative, you're going to squash that pretty darn quick. Um, <laughs> you know, if that's not really who you actually are. But that's there are a fun. number of people... <laughs> There are a number of people that you've kind of heard the rumor, and the rumor's probably true, but like I said, they're not, they're not out there, uh, like Clint Eastwood used to say, uh, hot-dogging it and uh, being loudmouth. They just, I think they just are more respectful than that, but they do keep their politics to themselves for the most part. Um, I think there's more than you would, you would think, but again, they you know, usually keep their heads down and, and kind of yeah. hang together. But Clint Eastwood is definitely, um, obviously, a conservative, and... Um, Forget who else you mentioned. Tim Allen but, is in uh, your yeah. movie. Tim Allen's another one. And of course, we saw what happened with Last Man Standing. It was uh, you know a lot of conservative fans who brought his show back. So uh, yeah, there 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 are more, uh, I'm sure, than we know. And that's the reason I thought I'd ask a Hollywood insider or a yeah. former insider, and, if you will. And uh, all Justin, folks, I was going to say just really quick, they're not necessarily all dying the wool conservatives. They're just free thinkers. They just think a little yeah. differently than everybody else in Hollywood. So. Yeah, and then that's all I'm talking about. And you know what? They, yeah. These are people that don't need safe spaces. That's uh, There we go. That's how we'll wrap Correct. it. No Safe Spaces is the number one documentary in America at the box office. It's uh, playing in uh, Greater Cleveland in Northeast Ohio. I was just told that it's in addition to being on the west side uh, at uh, Cobblestone Square in Sheffield. My friend Dan tells me it's at the AMC in Solon through next Wednesday as well. Take the opportunity to go out and see this movie. Justin Folk is the director. Thank you, Justin, for your time this morning. I really appreciate it. Thank you, and go to nosafespaces.com. There's a list of theaters. You can buy tickets right there. So I really appreciate the support, and uh, thanks for having me on the show. Perfect. Thanks very much. That's a great way to do it, nosafespaces.com. All right, we went late. It's 1054. We'll come back and wrap it after this.
France. Here on AM 1420, The Answer. Alrighty then. 30 seconds to say goodbye. I told you we went a little bit, a little bit long with uh, Justin Folk, the director of No Safe Spaces. I apologize for that, not because that was great. I could have talked to him for another hour. I could have talked to Den- uh, Dr. Uh, Piper for another hour as well, but uh, a last time is out. Uh, stay where you are because coming up, it'll be Mike Gallagher. Then Dennis Prager makes his return from Israel. You are going to enjoy that, I promise you. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Bob France Authority right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a great day. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.